Hi, this is Dan Land. I'm one of the hosts of Nigan and the Lone Ranger. This week, we're talking about Portage and Maine. And if the contents of my inbox are any indication, strap in, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. The Winnipeg Free Press proudly presents, in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM, Nigan and the Lone Ranger. Here are your hosts, Nigan Sinclair and Dan the Lone Ranger Let. Welcome, everybody. We are hosting another uh, fantastic panel discussion in this week's podcast episode. The topic is Portage in Maine, so uh, get your cranky pants out. You know, this is, I don't know of a subject that makes uh, Winnipeggers more cranky in one way or the other. Brian Bowman teed this one up for us a few weeks back. Yeah, like he gave us he gave us a really nice bit of news uh, off the uh, plus uh, the lament about how he got outmaneuvered on the plebiscite, and uh, and it was actually it was quite a frank admission that he screwed up, like you know on it. So like I, I thought, uh, boy, you know, being out of public office really frees up <laughs> to say what you really mean. Joining me today, Jay Bench, who is from. Uh, she's the executive director of Storefront Manitoba, one of my favorite organizations in the world. It's uh, planners, urbanists, architects, mostly architects, and uh, they do a ton of um, uh, fantastic events all year long, including the uh, fantastic Table for 1200 now. Yeah, and uh, the, the big outdoor dinner in secret location. Uh, lots of public education. Again, one of my favorite groups, worked with them for years. And Brent Bellamy, who is creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group uh, and uh, noted, what's it, well, free press columnist, uh, you know, so fellow columnist and noted, open up the damn intersection. The free advocate. press labeled me the Portage and Main Man. The Portage and Main Man, the that's right. Page. Yeah, you can't see it, but there's a little copy right there, uh, right <laughs> beside it. And uh, joining us electronically is uh, the Nigan and the Lone Ranger resident diva uh, and world traveler. Once again, coming to us from an undisclosed, now, 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 now. coming to us from an undisclosed location is uh, the one and only Nigan Sinclair. I'm actually coming to you live from uh, the belly of the beast, as it were, uh, in Toronto, having just watched uh, uh, the Trump. So streets die in sadness over the game uh, beliefs losing in games class. Moving on quickly. Um, okay, so the the this week's podcast uh, is riffing off um, the Portage Main Revitalization Study, um, which uh, we had been promised a document from the city to spur more public consultation and idea sharing. Um, and I'm interested to hear what the panelists have to say. Um, I was actually kind of surprised at, at what this was, uh, because it, you know, obviously they decided like, you know, like a kid in a swimming pool, they were going to do a cannonball and sort of <laughs> see where the ripples, uh, Jay, why don't you tell me, like, were you surprised at, like at, at the direction the report took? Cause it had a lot of crazy ideas in it. I think more than anything, it's just exciting that we're 
talking about this again that it's yeah. in public consciousness um that's trending on Twitter. <laughs> How often um, does Winnipeg manage that? Uh, I think some of the uh, ideas are um, maybe a little bit crazy, but um, I think there's some really concrete mm-hmm. um, proposals too that'll just spark the discussion and get people talking, and that's really exciting. Yeah. So I mean, years ago with Storefront, we actually hosted an event at the Free Press News Cafe which was kind of a, you know, a soft design competition, come up with your boldest and craziest ideas for Portage in Maine. And, and so there's an echo of that in this report. There were four gigantic observation towers. There was a, a suspended deck over the intersection for park and pedestrian travel. Um, and then, you know, some more practical ideas just about types of streetscaping that could be used uh, and different types of ways of keeping pedestrians out of the intersection because the report uh, Brent does not anticipate <laughs> a return of pedestrians to the intersection like it, it it seems with all the bold ideas it seemed kind of counterproductive to just sort of say oh yeah and we're not we're not going to let anybody cross a grade so it's like they're trying to solve a problem with, without using this solution you know and I really felt for the design team because they're challenged with bringing people back to the intersection. They're challenged with making it more accessible. They're challenged with making it safer. And um, the cheap and easy way to do that is to bring people back to the intersection by just letting them naturally use yeah. it in their day-to-day lives. But to not do because they have to maintain the barricades, they're trying to create really uh, almost an amusement park type feel to attract people there. And I think as long as there's this sort of dichotomy of how do we bring people there while at the same time repelling them with <laughs> barricades, I think that's it's a really difficult challenge to solve. And I, I really felt for the design team. And you could see they were literally using a cannon to just shoot out ideas into the sky and see what, yeah. what lands. I did a little experiment this week. Um, and what I did was is I posted on my social media the the T name which will never be named the platform anymore. Uh, I I posted a bunch of pictures that were being circulated around what Portage Main looked like when um, you know fifty years ago, and it is amazing the nostalgia that people have over this intersection and having been able to cross it. Um, why do you think there's such this nostalgia, this uh, desire? to try to open up an intersection which for years has become really uh, the epitome of much of the culture of the downtown. You know, I was really struck by when I opened up that uh, that link and it revealed the, the design ideas, what I was struck with most was how important Portage and Maine is to us, that we would that we would go to all this effort to, to have these huge ideas to try to bring it back, even though it's been hidden for almost 50 years from us behind concrete crash walls, it still holds a place in our heart that is so dear to us that we're willing to go to this trouble to do it. We wouldn't do this for any other intersection. And it goes right back to the, like, honestly, it's literally thousands of years embedded into our culture as people. Um, you know, crossroads, meaning places. The crossroads. It was where the two trails met. It was the first, you know, settlers came there. It was you know, a meeting place for First Nations because it was the high point coming away from the river. Like it was, it it's embedded into our souls. And I think even being hidden for 50 years, um, it's still 
we still connect to it. It's where we mourn. It's where we celebrate. It's where we protest. We have other places. We can go to the Forks. We can go to True North. We can go to other places. We still go to, to Portage in Maine. And I was really struck by the gymnastics we're going to go through to try to make it a great place um, because it means so much to us. And there's such an irony that we voted to a few seconds longer in our car wasn't worth trading for a better place, even though that place is clearly really important to us. Jay, why do you think the, uh, uh, it's also a point of fixation a little bit to the design and architecture community? I mean, it really is, uh, uh, it's a talker, right? Like it's a, <laughs> it's a conversation starter. And, you know, when you look back at, and I will be next week, I'll be, um, republishing some of the images from the design competition that we held is like it really it just seems to prime the creative pump a little bit what like why is it because of what brent said or is there some other aspect of the of this the the surrounding buildings the streets something that that really attracts people from a design perspective it's kind of our public square so it brings everyone there it's a crossroads it's a point of connection um it's the heart of our city it's um uh, yeah, um, rallies and protests of every type going back to the 1919 strike, but continuing to this year. And so I, I think designers recognize the, the the potential for that site to serve as a point of connection and to animate the city and um, really bring people out and feel the life of the city. So a animate the city. I'm going to come back to that uh, in in a minute. Um, Nagat, I'm wondering, uh, like I wrote a column about it, and you posted some photos. So before I tell people about the reaction I got, what kind of reaction did you get just by posting those photos? Well, people really wanted to talk a lot about uh, their relationships and the families that they had in the uh, downtown core. But, you know, there is one other story that I think is, you know, was brought up is um, somebody. There's a lot of ceremonies that are provided downtown or that are or that are happening downtown, and there's a, been a movement for sort of green space. And uh, the kind of overwhelmingness of the concrete has probably the most markedly part of what people were talking about. The fact that all of this concrete really creates an impression of downtown, and it's quite icy. It's quite cold. And if we think about the history of that area, the fact that from Portage and Maine all the way down to Broadway and Maine uh, was an indigenous city. There was an indigenous permanent site of 4,000 to 14,000 people in the summertime. Uh, it was a place of great life and the creeks that were also there. So I think there's this sort of nostalgia also for green space in the downtown too. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I, to tell you the truth, that that's largely why I was drawn. I mean, 10 or so years ago when we did the storefront Manitoba competition, there were similar designs that, that put things above or over the intersection. And I think, you know, what I'm, what I have trouble getting away from is like, to me that those are ideas that do animate the intersection. So me, I would, I would prefer that people were allowed to cross at grade. I think the entire debate, about not allowing people to cross on the street is so disingenuous and dishonest. It's not the biggest intersection downtown. No. It's not the busiest intersection downtown. 
if you like if you were going to argue that uh crossing a grade was so destructive to traffic patterns you wouldn't let people cross at broadway and memorial the biggest intersection yeah. downtown that's busier than than portage and maine but i think that like what captured my imagination a little bit about this was and and not like i think in addition to whatever they could do in fantastical design yeah like let people cross it great just let them cross you know but you know if there was an opportunity to do something more like i just came back from london you know and uh you know and toronto i had a visit to toronto and it's remarkable the number of things that those cities entail that have no more practical application than just cool mm -hmm. it's cool it's design and it and it draws people from a practical point of view yeah let people cross it great like it's not a big deal it just isn't a big deal but i also worry that they're just you know based on the way retail is developed around there the way you know the buildings around there now are not pedestrian friendly in and of themselves there's very few access points to the buildings there's no ground floor retail there's no plans for it um there's a couple of spots that you might consider to be plaza like but not very big that's what happens when you have no people i no, no, no. i no 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 i agree <laughs> but i also think that you know so returning the the at grade crossings doesn't to me fully realize the value of the asset which is i do think it needs something more i totally agree you know so watch holy cow because like mostly uh brent and i have for years now politely disagreed <laughs> like we're not really in disagreement although like you know he kind of poo-pooed the idea of the sky garden the floating donut the yeah. floating donut or whatever <laughs> yeah, um, elevators to nowhere we're yeah so I don't know, like uh, Jay, what, is there is there room for at grade crossing and something more? Like, is there an argument for that? I obviously support design and what it adds, and um, uh, whether it be um, art or taking some other form. But I think um, adding an element of beauty that uh, inspires people is an important element of redeveloping the space. Yeah. So, okay, Mr. Sky Donut. So, if, if we were like, are those like, but is above? Like, you know, taking use of the development space above the intersection, is that really, does it defeat the main uh, goal of reopening the intersection? You know, is there, because I'll tell you, my readers don't think it's, it, you know, like it's unbelievable the reaction, but I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, like is above, like is up a possibility of any kind? I mean, I don't really see if underground is no good why above ground would be any different other than it's cooler for sure yeah and i'm a hundred percent in for big ideas i love big ideas i yeah. love the idea of having something really special at portage in maine it would drive me crazy for eternity knowing that the reason we did whatever we do was to avoid to avoid actually answering the problem you know like to me those that's floating donut would forever be a monument to our slavish addiction to the vehicle and it would always say to us, more than the crash walls, yeah. like the crash walls kind of say, we only want cars here and not people. Imagine a giant donut that says to the entire world, we couldn't just accept letting people cross the street and we had to go to all this trouble 
to try to solve that problem. To me, it would be a monument for the generations that says we are slaves to the vehicle, and that would drive me crazy. But I definitely want so big both, answers. Both, and, maybe, like, but for it, sure. And, but as long, but I don't yeah. think I don't think any kind of attraction could be successful as long as you're also trying to repel people. Well, the fact is that you know, out of the you know forty some businesses, about ninety five percent of them want it open. They right. want the pedestrian walkway. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to have access to uh, a flow that goes something other than the underground. And then it, I haven't even gotten to the issues of uh, the building, the building concerns as well. If 95% of the businesses in the area, which is arguably what the, the argument is to close off the intersection, then wouldn't that just be enough? Astoundingly, the interest and uh, desires of the people who own the buildings around the intersection who carry a lot of the financial uh, strain of maintaining the underground components, they want it reopened. Uh, it's not just it's not just the business owners. If you look at like the famous graphic, the results of the vote, it was a donut. There was a big red dot in the middle. People who interact with that space want it open. People who ride transit want it open. People who come downtown want it open. It was closed because of people who don't really interact with the space. And so I absolutely agree with you. The 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 fact that everyone who has a actual stake in the in the place wanting it open should be enough, but here we are. Or they interact with the space for a very short period right. of time <laughs> as opposed to dwelling right. in the space. Yeah, I mean, it is like I've actually had some like great moments at that intersection. Oh, one of them was definitely the dinner for twelve hundred, that was at Portage and Main, and it it kind of it ex like the the the, t the table for twelve hundred extended all the way down Rory. I mean, it was extraordinary, but it, the best seats in the house were the ones that bled towards the intersection and filled up that little plaza in front of the Richardson building. I mean, it was just, and I, I was lucky enough to sit there, and it was magnificent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was summer, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it was magnificent. So let's talk about Winnipeg, shall we? Should we talk frankly about Winnipeg and Winnipeggers? Go Jets, go. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> next season. So, um, Careful, folks, careful. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, the great Jim August. I mean, I, I call because I, I he was one of the the yes. original guys I hooked up with. Jim August was uh, you know pioneer of the Forks uh, Renewal Corporation Center Venture or yeah Center Venture, <laughs> and also the Core Area Initiative. I mean, going way way back. And I, I remember having a meeting with uh, Jim August. This probably was nineteen ninety. And saying like you know, because I you know I am from Toronto, and listeners will forgive me for that. I hope, um, but you know there is something about the uh, the lack of ambition of this city when it comes to challenges like this. It's always seemed to me to be so curious. So I said to him, you know, like tell me something like you know, Winnipeg has had some boom periods, right? Like some real boom period, and not so long ago. How come we don't have skyscrapers like the, the buildings we have in portage and maine are pretty modest mm -hmm. and there there's only two of them really at that point and he said dan uh or no and i well sorry just uh, further i asked him like is it could it be the geology you know the clay the high water tail all that stuff and he goes dan let me tell you in winnipeg 
We don't build tall buildings because we don't like to be that high up off the ground. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there is an element of fundamental truth in, in what he said. And, and, you know, other leaders of the community have said the same, you know, Brian Bowman's kind of said it to me, Gary Dewar, Susan Thompson, you know, others have said, you know, whoa, 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 slow your roll, buddy. You know, like not too high, not too fast. Um, like, are, are we, are we just like kind of immune or alert? No, the word is allergic. Are we allergic to big and bold ideas? I think, um, speak freely. There's only yeah. like three people listening. So <laughs> no, there's more than three people listening, but speak freely. Yeah. I always say if I ever run for mayor, I will never, but if I did, my first platform would be to give every resident a thousand dollars on the promise that they go somewhere else for a week <laughs> and see what the big world is like. Because we yeah. like we treat Portage in Maine as if it's some kind of alien that has landed from space and has never been dealt with anywhere else in the world. It's it has, you know, whatever we do is some unique solution, but every city has a big intersection and they all walk across. We have other big intersections like say in Winnipeg and we all walk across it. So we do have this fear of it's like almost a skepticism of big ideas. The Human Rights Museum was a was a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Somebody was trying to do something really bold, and mm -hmm. it meant nothing but opposition all the way along. And there is this sort of um, fear, apprehension towards you know grabbing the brass ring. And I don't know what what it is. There's sort of a defeatist. Maybe it was because we peaked in 1914, and we've had 110 <laughs> years of you know sliding yeah. down the hill since then maybe that's it, it's in our psyche to be self-defeating but it's definitely something that i would love to beat out of us yeah Jed, it, it's it is tough for people in architecture and design you know urban planning whatever it is tough to ply your profession in a city that that has a reluctance to kind of embrace new ideas and that's not to say we don't do great things because we do do great things but, you know, it, it is, I remember talking to Dave, David Penner, another beautiful mind, mm -hmm. and he was endlessly annoyed, you know, yeah. at the, you know, at like, we could do this, but not here. We couldn't, you know. <laughs> it, well, so is it like, does, does the architecture design community, do they feel that frustration on a regular basis? Well, I think that, um, I, yeah, there's a reason why we, we, uh, our tourists in great cities around the world and metropolises and the things they offer. And um, I think uh, we just need to, I, it's a communication issue, I suppose, because Winnipeggers need to be shown that it's possible. Winnipeggers need to believe that, that these things are possible to bring um, bring to Winnipeg and make happen in Winnipeg. And um, it's it's uh, not easy, but I think it is possible to show Winnipeggers what um, what Winnipeg could be. And yeah, design mm -hmm. plays a central role in communicating that and showing what is possible. Cost estimates suggest that the renovation, just to fix the issues that are within the uh, building structure, 15 to $20 million. So do you think that this, that that is the big barrier? Do you think that's the big obstacle and that, you know, when we're talking about taxpayer dollars, we're talking about, you know, we're not talking about a small chunk of change here. We're talking about 15 to $20 million. 
just to fix some of the major structural issues, never mind the renovation to open it up. Uh, do you think that the money issue will always be kind of that big hump to, to get over, or will it be something that when there's will, there's a way? Yeah, that was the thing we heard in the vote open campaign a lot was why would we spend $6 million or whatever it was to open it when we could spend that money on my local community club? And there was endless ideas and that's natural. Um, I, I will say it's not going to be 15 to 20 million. That was a pre pandemic cost. It's going to be 40 to 50. If, you know, building construction is any indication of inflation. <clears throat> um, but the, the thing about this now is, we're, we've flipped it. We're now going to have a completely clean slate. And anything that we add will actually cost us more. And so all of this gymnastics that we're trying to do to, to make the place better, or bring more people back, will actually cost us more. So the argument is actually flipped now. It will be free to let people back to the intersection. And we're going to have to pay to keep them away. So that's a really interesting conversation now. And I think it will, it kind of flips the, the argument on its head and i hope people are all the people that were complaining about the money initially are now thinking about well was that really the argument i was making or did i really just care about driving yeah because for background for listeners who aren't familiar so um the uh underground mall uh concourse is failing uh and not because of anything extraordinary it's just reached its it's a roof of, and it's it, a roof of a building that's yeah. the underground and it's it's reached the end of its life cycle Added to that, the above-grade uh, assets, the road, the road deck, uh, and the barriers are all failing because they've reached the end of their yeah. life, uh, you know, asset life cycle. So <clears throat> it's not really, it's not optional. The intersection needs to be re rehabilitated at grade and below grade. That's work that has to be done. Mm -hmm. It's not, it, it's not going to buy us anything more than a roof that doesn't leak. And uh, and a road that drives nice, uh, but it does uh, you know uh, it does create an opportunity, um, and one of the opportunities is to is to kind of say like, do you really want to spend X amount of money on putting barriers back up? But it's also the possibility, and this is where like design comes in. You know, if that intersection is going to be impaired. Uh, from a traffic perspective, for probably three or four years. That's the fascinating part. I yeah. So that means, like, people are going to be avoiding that intersection. We're going to get a real-time experiment. experiment. They're going to find new yeah, preferred. They, it's like water. Roots. They're going to find other ways. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, you and I exchanged some notes and, and uh, on Twitter about uh, transit patterns, yeah. uh, about, you know, possibly dedicating more of, of Portage and Maine at the intersection, north, south, and, and west, just to transit. Mm -hmm. uh, David Penner's great idea always was Fort and Gary would become north-south transit corridors like Graham Avenue. I mean, what, like, what else, like, what else can we look at? If, you know, once that intersection is really, okay, so I'm, I'm going to get Adam's uh, finger on the bleep button. It's going to be a <laughs> show for like three to four years. Isn't this our big like opportunity? I think so. I, I think um, it's a great social experiment to um, to show uh, that. Yeah, I think the big thing will be rerouting traffic, um, and it, it it will play a key role in revitalizing downtown i think it could potentially if we do it right 
So, again, this kind of brings me back, though, to the politics of it, which uh, I find to be so... Like, I literally had to go work out last night for twice as long as I normally do <laughs> to get all the frustration out of my system from the, uh, you know, uh, the online discussion, but also, you know, the emails that I got. And, uh, you know, it, it does, it kind of brings me to an observation made by another reader years ago about the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And I'm a big fan. I always was a big fan. And, uh, when people were discussing the amount of public money that went into the museum, I had a reader write to me and say, blow up the museum, grind the rubble into gravel, and use the gravel to fill potholes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's too big to fit on a license plate, but I do <laughs> think that is, or you know, maybe we should put that on the sign instead of the welcome to Winnipeg. It could be, um, you know, like there is... Oh my God, like just after having floated the idea of either a, like a floating donut or a sky deck or whatever, like, oh my God, they're, you know, like the, well, you know, like, so who's going to shovel the snow, right? That oh, was, you know, that was oh, really good. Was it minus 40 every day? No, I know. And uh, <laughs> the other one was, uh, uh, oh yeah, great. Create an elevated platform for people to throw homeless people off oh, into wow, the nice. traffic. And then there was the, remember the, the traffic engineer uh, who said, oh, I don't know if I'm all that comfortable with no barriers for all the drunk people who come out of the bars in the area wandering into traffic, where it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it just, you know, it, it's enough to make, like, I do weep a little bit inside when I, because it's like, no, like, that's not really yeah. what we're talking about here. Honestly, I don't have the same uh, angst as you. I was totally fine with it. And I'm actually taking this in almost from a step back. Yeah. I think it's funny because I know what's coming. And people who are paying attention know what's coming. Portage in Maine is slated to be down along with Union Station, downtown's major rapid transit hub. Mm -hmm. It's projected to serve 50,000 people every day when it's built. And that's, it's being fast-tracked. That's the first phase of the rapid transit Plan. The next phase of the rapid yeah. transit. Yeah. And so, um, if you think you're going to build a rapid transit station for 50,000 people and not let people walk to it, you're dreaming. This all is noise right now. Eventually, and hopefully it's in the next 10 years, that comes to fruition and it really becomes that transitional place that is the heart of downtown and it is, you know, is that crossroads and that connection point again in a way in transit. So, we can argue, Jeff Rawati can argue about whether it's bollards or or whatever, or we're going to open it up at 11 p.m. till 1 a.m., just, to, you know, for whatever reason. We can argue about that. It's all noise because what's coming down the pipe is a complete transformation of that space into a multimodal uh, hub. And that's what I'm so excited for. And I wish the current um, council and mayor were fast-tracking that. Like, to me, that's the most important thing. Let's stop talking about this and let's get on this rapid transit for downtown because that's going to be transformational for us. And, and uh, you know, further to that, um, it should be done while the intersection is kind of shut down to traffic. It would be the perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, um, particularly Main Street, but also like Portage Avenue becomes a dead end uh, at the intersection. So, um, you know, just the same way the traffic patterns in the exchange district 
had to change dramatically after all the active transportation yep. was added. Like, you know, you just couldn't, you couldn't, you know, jam cars on the McDermott anymore yeah. to go to Main Street. Okay, so you know what? Somehow people found a way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. So, and again, you're going to go first on this one. So if you could add any one thing to Portage and Main. So we're going to assume uh, that the barriers are coming down and they're not going back up. And we're going to get to um, cross at grade. Like normal people living in a modern city, we're just we're gonna get we're gonna put our big boy and girl pants on. We're gonna cross the the road with the signals. Uh, so, but we're gonna add to the intersection. We're gonna do other things to it to uh, to maximize the value. So, Nigan, what's the the one thing? It doesn't have to be one thing, but one major thing that you're gonna add to the intersection. Well, one thing I really like is this uh, movement towards sort of even like a libertarian anarchist. Let's just, it's just going to happen, so everyone better just deal with it. I love that approach because I think that is the only answer at this point is to just stop waiting for uh, people to drag their heels and to, uh, you know, rub their palms together and feel nervous about it and just do it. <laughs> so and so you, would, that, you would see a roundabout in the intersection with a huge sculpture of a hypodermic needle with a line running through it that would, and then it would become like like the it would become the meeting place for libertarians from all over the world right so am i well, on the right channel i mean here? i wasn't endorsing libertarianism but what i oh, was okay, saying was okay. you know this uh, a sort of a uh, well put it this way um in just a for few short months maybe years from now we're going to see uh, one of the corners of that intersection be occupied by the Manitoba Métis Federation, mm -hmm. um, who are renovating a building that is a colonial structure into a hub for Métis culture and history. Uh, that, I think, is an indication of where Manitoba and Winnipeg are going. And pretty soon you'll see enough, you know, Cap Young Barracks and also the HBC building. I, I think there's a radical overhaul happening of the downtown, and it's being led by people. Uh, not so much government, and I think that's where this trend is going towards. And this this uh, this conversation has ended up in a really interesting place, a place in which, in many ways, we're returning to the ways that Winnipeg has always been this place of meeting and of sharing and of community. And I think that the ways in which, uh, what are the needs of the community? And so, what, you know, if you're asking me to what what's one thing that I would like, I would say. Absolutely, just just do it. But I also want to see green space. You know, I want to see uh, a commitment to a revitalization of the space when when the marketplace, uh, the market land, sorry, were being uh, suggested by different architecture firms. All of them returned to the fact that the former Winnipeg Police Building in the um, Exchange District covered up a, a creek, covered up waterways, and the ways people had lived in that area agriculturally. And I think a return to that would be something that I would like to see in Portage, Maine. Of course, we can't remove concrete overnight, but I think certainly a revitalization and bring some life to that area, uh, not just people, would be something that I would love to see. Jay, what, what uh, could you uh, wish list add to the intersection to, to, to maximize its value? 
Yeah, I think green space would definitely be uh, near the top of my list, but um, it, it'll be a number of different factors that make it a place that people want to be. I think people, there's space for people, um, things that make it a pleasant place for people to be, um, so that uh, having that that traffic and bringing that life to the intersection um, will do so much for um, neighboring businesses and organizations and safety and sense of community. Um, it'll have, uh, yeah, quite a few benefits that would come out of it. Okay, so we, we already know no barriers, Brent, and uh, rapid transit hub. So you're going to have to go beyond that to okay. something more fantastic. No problem. Um, I definitely think, um, like you said, the first priority is to make it a great urban place. And it has all, there's, you know, this, the population of Steinbeck works at Portage and Maine every day. That it would be the fourth largest city in the province if it was a city. Um, so the energy is there to create something amazing. And if you go stand there, I've done uh, presentations there. I've done other th table for 1200. If you stand on one of those plazas and feel the space, it feels big city. It doesn't feel Winnipeg. If you imagine people and other things, yeah. like it has the potential to be an incredible urban place. And to me, that's obviously number one. Um, and to do that organically by having people there. Um, what I would love if to add as a sort of a layer is an interpretive layer. Mm -hmm. Because Portage in Maine is so important to us. And I always, I remember when the first time I went to the Museum of Civilization in Gatineau, um, you walk in. And there's a huge wall. It's like 10 feet by 10 feet. That is a picture of Portage in Maine in 1915 or so, something like that. In Gatineau. In, Ga in like the Maine, Canada's National Museum of Civilization. Yeah. And it's, it's the exhibit for, it's the wing to talk about cities of the first half of the 21st century. So, or the 20th century. And Portage in Maine is the, the Canadian symbol for what a great city could be. And it just blew my mind because it's so the opposite right now. It's a symbol of what a great city isn't. And I've, I've said before, like the, the history of that place is so rich. And it's not just from when the first grocery store opened or the first hotel opened. It goes thousands of years back. And to tell that story, I think, is something that Winnipeggers don't even know why it's special. But to tell it to tourists, to tell it to people just walking by, it has so such a rich layered history conflict you know, and there's a lot of not good history that could be told and we can learn from that and i would love portage maine to be somewhere that we just we use every day but we also learn from it and everybody who comes there learns from it why like yeah i mean i'll stop there it's it's it, yeah the history and telling the story of it really tells the story of canada mm -hmm. and our relationship with first nations and and you know it's it's got such an incredible story to tell. I would love to be able to tell that so everyone knows it. Well, um, I have several items on my wish list uh, in no particular order. I'm, I'm down for the green space uh, for sure. I actually, um, after having thought about this, and I was in Toronto recently where it's not a huge intersection, but they have the Dundas Young right. uh, scramble <clears throat> uh, intersection. But the important thing about the scramble intersection is is that it was a deliberately added design element mm -hmm. to a place where they don't want cars to come. So you can drive on Young Street now, 
but I don't know anybody who lives there who does because it's ridiculous, right? Like it's, you know, like you can't make a right or left and turn off, off Young Street because of the pedestrian traffic. And particularly Young and Dundas with the Young Dundas Square, there's, um, you know, there's uh, Ryerson Polytechnic uh, as huge residences. There is retail, like just surrounding it. It's not exactly Times Square, but yeah, like why not? Because you just don't want cars. So, and and the unique design of the Portage and Main intersection, uh, you know, I want to be able to walk from the TD building directly across to the MMF. I want, I want, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, if we're going to walk on Great, let's walk on it, baby. You we know, should do it now. It's really amazing. <laughs> Actually, you can do no, it. I know. I have hopped the barriers at times, but when Brian Bomba was here a couple of weeks ago, he, he told the story because I interviewed Nahid Nenshi shortly after he jumped the barricades and was almost pancaked oh, wow. by a truck. Like it, Brian said, there was like 12 feet of rubber laid down when this truck had just like stopped. But, and then I did an interview with him at the news cafe where I wasn't talking to him about Portage and Maine. At the end of the interview, he said, uh, I said, uh, hey, listen, that's really great. And he goes, isn't there anything else you want to ask me? And I went, okay, I'll bite. What else do I want to ask you about? And he goes, Portage, Maine. And then he went on this whole rant, you know, and it literally, that was the seminal moment for me. Like I, you know, it yeah. changed me yeah, yeah. 180 degrees on the whole issue. So I would do that. And you know what? I do want my donut. I want okay. I want a suspended pedestrian donut and an inner uh, bike lane uh, so that, you know, people can, can literally get through what will still be a pretty busy intersect, but they can get right through the heart of the city on their bikes. So is it a floating donut or a ground level donut? Uh no, it's it's like it's floating. I want okay. it up in the air. Okay, cool. Air rights. I want to take advantage of that. Somebody's going to make a ton of money selling the air rights to that intersection, and uh, yeah, and I want because this is what I want. Like um, I want to be able to say when people come to visit me, like I'm going to take you somewhere where you're going to see something you can't see anywhere else in the world. You're going to get this this perspective of this historic asset at an intersection you're going to see the heart of the city from up in the air and everything looks better up in the air it just does can i tell yeah. you a secret yeah please there's only three people listening you said <laughs> because i've been trying to hide this <laughs> for the last 10 years do you remember there was a competition in 2003 or something up to open or what the ideas yeah. are for me i entered and um, it was a floating dog they were up at the at the Make Cafe on on Corden, and somebody spotted it and took a picture. I was like, "Oh my God, it lives!" Yeah. So I mean, we all evolve and we all grow in life, and it was part of my past that I have to live yeah. up to. I You're think we need to dig up all of those proposals because there were some really I great ones. I think so. Yeah, and a picture of whatever your hair looked like back then too. That would be great. It was you know? the same. Just it was the same. Okay, less gray. Yeah. No, it, it's. Uh, I I think. Um, you know, we're talking about weird yeah. obsessions with donuts. The European in the room here is saying, why don't you just turn it into a roundabout? 
Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, the best way for free flowing traffic anywhere. Oh, oh it would be yeah. it would be amazing to watch. Yeah, just you, post but, yourself at any of the four corners and watch the carnage. Then I want to be on Dan's donut watching the Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we will suspend yeah. the donut from the four buildings so that it's free floating. No pillars. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know. Are Listen. Are figures coming around to the roundabout the slow Oh, good lord. No. No, no, no. I live in a neighborhood that has a major transportation or a active transportation route that where all the little right. roundabouts are put in. And I mean, really, like uh, people in trucks drive over them. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> nobody, like, nobody has any idea about the, uh, you know, to put their signal. Nobody puts their signals on. No, this is, I, I mean, I'd love to think that one day, you know, because in, in big, big cities, like in Nairobi, they have one of the world's largest yeah, uh, roundabouts, but they have lights controlling it. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's so many possibilities, right? They're still proposing, yeah. I think, uh, putting a roundabout at Highways 1 and uh, the oh. Yellowhead, yeah. 16. Um, I know Nigama's going to jump in. Nigama, have you ever been hit by anybody, a <laughs> mini roundabout in Winnipeg, or witnessed anybody going the wrong way around one? I well, know. I was just going to say, let the anarchy begin. <laughs> but uh, what, I was, what I was really going to say is... Uh, you know, there are ideas throughout the world, but they're often in so-called third world countries where these kinds of solutions are come up with all the time because they simply don't have the funds and the infrastructure to be able to come up with something. So it might just be that we can see countries. I remember when I was in Sri Lanka, um, there was a five-way intersection and it very much became a roundabout with lights. And I, I think these there are many solutions possible for this area, but it takes vision and a bit of risk. And uh, and I think certainly there are answers out there. Okay. Uh, one last uh, irony. Like, if there's one thing that people in this city fret more about, it's keeping young people in mm -hmm. the city. Now, I can tell you, growing up in Toronto, nobody ever asked me if I was going to stay in Toronto. Right. Right. Like, they were sort of like, you're leaving Toronto? That was more like the question I got. But, you know, that having been said, like, if you're really concerned about keeping young people here, why not try to build a city that makes young people excited? I use that argument all the time. When people ask me why, as a somebody who lives in Waverly West, as an example, or Sage Creek, and, you know, I have my house, and, and why do I care about the urban quality of Winnipeg? Why do I care about downtown? I use that argument all the time. And I say, do you want to grow up, do you want your children to grow up in the same city that you live in like do you want them to love your city and they have to be able to have the lifestyle options that we don't give them they move to vancouver and toronto in calgary now because they want that urban connected lifestyle that we just don't offer them we can still offer the suburban lifestyle but we need to offer that lifestyle choice that will keep them here and it's a powerful argument because people can make that connection to their to their own lives so jay you have a, a three-year-old Yes. So we've got some time to to remold the city in in a way that will make your your three year old want to stay. We've got some time. I don't know if it's enough. <laughs> well, it certainly um, you know makes you fight for a better future, yeah. knowing that uh, yeah, I'm responsible, partly responsible for shaping the world that he's going to grow up in. Um, the last and greatest gift that I'm going to give all of you is uh, I'm going to invite anybody who's really, really cranked up 
about what we talked about today. Because let's face it, I didn't invite uh, anybody who wants to keep the intersection closed. Right. Uh, that was deliberate. Uh, and yes, for those of you who are going to write to me and say, you're no. biased. No. Yeah, I'm absolutely biased. I'm biased too. 100%. Yeah, no, no. But, so if you have a comment about the podcast and you're really, you know, cranked up about it, send them to me. Do not send them to my panelists. You can they send them to me. I love it. <laughs> really, honestly. I've been doing for years. No, I know. Well, well, you're actually a columnist too, right? So you, you know, you've developed. I missed the comment section. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and Twitter, which we're all about to lose soon. You said the T word. He said witter. I think it was. Don't worry, Nico. I'll beat that. Yeah, rhymes with litter. That's right. Um, Nagan, uh, since you're not with us right now, any closing thoughts? Okay, fine. So no, we'll I just want to. Sorry, go ahead. I just want to say what uh, you know. Oftentimes, when we talk about Portage in Maine, I think people can sort of roll their eyes and feel like, oh, this again. But I think one thing that I've been seeing in this conversation is a real commitment, a new commitment to change and to be able to create something that uh, Winnipeggers can be proud of, but also shows uh, Winnipeg's at the forefront of a lot of change. And that change is happening right now after decades and decades and perhaps less so. And so uh, I just want to say thank you both for coming and joining with us. And I apologize for any of the tech issues that I had coming from this uh, far away other urban landscape. Oh, it's a small price to pay, Nigan, to, to bask in your your reputation and your glory. Yes, thank you. Can, can I throw one oh, last yeah, thing in there? I, I brought a quote. Not everyone loves quotes. Oh, yeah, quotes, no. But, oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, Crowhurst and Leonard describing the European square, and it, it just felt like this is what Portage in Maine could be for us. Uh, it would give us a feeling of having arrived at the heart of the city, of needing to go no further, anticipation of social encounter, sensory stimulation, delight, and joy. Amen. All righty. So uh, you heard it, Winnipeggers. Uh, you're going to get a, a, another chance, another big multi-year chance to get Portage and Maine right. Don't screw it up this time, okay? <laughs> I'm talking to you, Broati, up there in the... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, incredible thanks to, uh, Jay Abenj, uh, from Storefront Manitoba and, uh, my, uh, brother in ink, uh, Brent Bellamy from number 10 architectural group and, um, you know, uh, Nigan, uh, who knows Nigan, maybe one day we will cross paths face to face again. <laughs> I, you know, I keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> Don't be. Don't be so uh, optimistic. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, thanks to everybody for joining us. Thanks to CJNU Radio uh, for supporting uh, the production of our podcast and saving us from ourselves and to a certain extent. And uh, the Winnipeg Free Press for sponsoring this. And thank you to anybody who has the time and inclination to tune in. We will see you again soon. Miigwech, thanks. Thanks.